Welcome to the One for the Money podcast. I'm your host, Johnny West. I'm a certified financial planner, and here I will teach you the tips, tricks, and strategies I use to help others retire early. This is the easy button when it comes to early retirement. Everything you want or need to know is right here. I'm so glad you join us on the show. Welcome to episode 56 of the One for the Money podcast. I'm so very grateful you've taken the time to listen. This episode focuses on the behaviors needed to become a member of the Two Comma Club. What exactly is the Two Comma Club? Well, it's just a different way of saying how to become a millionaire. Since $1 million is represented by seven numbers, the number one followed by six zeros. Consequently, there are two commas required to break those numbers up. In this episode, I'll share some of the behaviors needed to become a member of this exclusive club. In the tips, tricks, and strategies portion, I will share a tip regarding things to avoid. Thank you for listening. Now on with the show. Years ago, there was a hugely popular game show entitled, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? It absolutely captivated the American public. The television network ABC first launched the American version of the game show in 1999, and it became the highest rated television show later that year, and has since had 21 seasons with a number of different celebrities serving as the game show host. Now, in my opinion, the show was successful because it provided a simplistic way for people to realize a dream that many have, which is to become a millionaire or a member of the Two Comma Club. In fact, there was a movie called Slumdog Millionaire that featured an Indian version of the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire show, and the movie went on to win the Oscar for Best Picture. And while this game show provides a simplistic way for a person to become a millionaire, they just need to answer 14 questions in a row correctly. Well, the behaviors necessary to become one on your own are also just as simplistic. But like the questions one must answer in the game show, they aren't necessarily simple. This fact is maybe best exemplified by a quote from Michael Scott, a character from The Office, which is fitting as The Office was originally a British show, just like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was also a British show previously. So here is what Michael Scott said. I'm not a millionaire. I thought I would be by the time I was 30, but I wasn't even close. Then I thought maybe by 40, but by 40, I had less money than I did when I was 30. He is such a funny character. And for those familiar enough with the show, they'll know that Michael may not have displayed the behaviors necessary to become a millionaire. But before I discuss those behaviors, it's important to note that in 2023, here in the US of A, we have never had more millionaires than we do right now. Based on the latest estimate from the Federal Reserve, there are around 16 million American households with a net worth of a million dollars or more. That's up from fewer than 10 million in 2019. Now, most of those newly minted millionaires didn't come from the top 10% of Americans. According to the Wall Street Journal, the most significant wealth gains went to the upper middle class. 
Indeed, the biggest wealth gains between 2019 and 2022 were among the approximately 13 million families in the 80th to 90th percentile of income distribution. Now, an individual or two from that group may have earned that money via a game show, but most got there taking a more boring, long-term approach. Now, the Wall Street Journal explains further, rather than being swallowed by the 1%, the economy, according to these numbers, is creating a growing upper middle class. Many people got there by pursuing college degrees, steadily building retirement accounts, and purchasing homes. For the most part, they became wealthy slowly and were well positioned when pandemic era stimulus programs boosted asset values. As Ben Carlson noted in his blog entitled How to Become a Millionaire, he said that I know some people think the American dream is dead, but that doesn't sound like it to me. Ben went on to mention that the behaviors are simple. Get an education, get a good job, buy a home, save in a workplace retirement plan, build wealth over time. Now, when I look at all of my clients that are millionaires, that's exactly how they all did it. Most did it by working many decades, saving in retirement accounts and purchasing appreciating assets such as real estate and stocks. I am always surprised how surprised my clients are when I show them their net worth in my financial planning software. It's always a rewarding experience And we always pause at that moment and reflect on the great work that they had done to get to this point in their financial lives. I agree completely with Ben Carlson that the American dream isn't dead because I've seen many people achieve it. And I know that many more Americans can do the same by modeling the behaviors to become one. Now, too many people wrongly believe that the system, be it government or businesses, prevent people from building wealth. That's just not true. That's a scarcity mindset that believes there is only a finite pie to be divided up amongst individuals and more for some is less for another. That's simply not true because an abundance mentality shows that there is even more wealth for everyone to achieve. A great example is the Millennium Development Goals that were established in the year 2000. The greatest assembly of world leaders, presidents, prime ministers, kings, and queens were brought together in order to create goals to be achieved for the world. There were eight goals with 18 targets to be achieved by the year 2015. Goals such as having the share of people living in extreme poverty, eliminating the gender disparity at all education levels, the reversal of tuberculosis and malaria incidents, and having the portion of population without access to safe drinking water. All of those goals that I just mentioned were achieved, and a number weren't fully achieved, but positive progress was made. Now, my focus is on reducing poverty or increasing wealth, because the very first millennial development goal was having global poverty by 2015. But here's the remarkable thing. That goal was met five years earlier in 2010, far sooner than what the leaders of the world even thought was possible. Proof that wealth can grow far faster than we can even realize. And while saving and investing are important behaviors to cultivate on the path to becoming financially independent or a millionaire, there are prerequisites, behaviors that must be mentioned. In an opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal by the wonderful Jason Riley, he emphasized the success sequence. That sequence is often credited to the research done by Brookings Institution scholars 
Isabel Swalhill, and Ron Haskins, though others have made similar observations. The success sequence is simply this. If you finish high school, get a job, and get married before having children, you have a 98% chance of not being in poverty. Jason Riley went on to share an excerpt from Ian Rowe of the American Enterprise Institute book called Agency, who said that the success sequence message has attracted many admirers because of the simplicity of the three steps that young people, even if born into disadvantaged circumstances or raised by a young single parent, can take themselves to control their lives. Recently, Dr. Melissa Kearney, an MIT-trained economist, wrote a book entitled The Two-Parent Privilege. In it, she shared the story of how declining marriage rates are driving many of the country's biggest economic problems and how the greatest impacts of marriage are, in fact, economic. Because when two adults marry, their economic and household lives improve, offering a host of benefits, not only for the married adults, but for their children. And a summary of the book notes that for many, the two-parent home may be an old-fashioned symbol of the idyllic American dream. But the two-parent privilege makes it clear that marriage, for all its challenges and faults, may be our best path to a more equitable future. These behaviors cannot be ignored in one's ability to build wealth because they put you in a position to start the long, steady process to building wealth. Here are a few additional behaviors I would add. Not borrowing money when you don't have to. Just because you are approved for a loan doesn't mean you can afford the thing you are trying to purchase. Don't confuse approval with proof that you can afford the car or whatever it is that you're trying to buy with borrowed money. If a person has a new luxury car, they are wasting money. And most who have them don't have the money to waste. You should only borrow money to buy a house and pay for some college. And even with college, there are many reasons not to borrow money to pay for it. See episodes 15 and 16 of this podcast for more information on college planning. Another thing to note, just because a person has a high FICO score, it doesn't necessarily mean they have made smart money choices, but simply the fact that they have shown the ability to borrow money and pay it back on a consistent basis. One's personally accrued net worth and savings rate is a far better determiner of smart money choices. In the end, it all comes down to discipline. Everything changes financially when you are living on a paycheck from three months ago. If a person needs their upcoming paycheck to pay their expenses, they don't have the mindset to be financially free or a millionaire. Instead, they have the mindset to struggle financially. That may sound like a harsh thing to say to those who are suffering to make ends meet, but the principles required to lift themselves out of their current circumstances can be found in their daily choices. Now, many people ask, what is the best investment they can make to build wealth? And the surprising fact is the best investment they can make isn't in the stock market, but rather in themselves. The best thing a person can do is to increase the value that they can provide to others by developing their talents in working. Improving their talents always comes about via learning and applying that knowledge through experience. Sometimes that learning is obtained at college, often it's not. As a person models the behaviors by graduating high school, getting a job, getting married before having kids, and continuing lifelong learning, especially about personal finances, they put themselves on a path to start saving and investing to eventually become a member of the Two Comma Club. Now, listeners of my podcast will know that my emphasis isn't on the amount of money a person accumulates. 
It actually doesn't matter at all if a person becomes a millionaire or not. But modeling good behaviors can put you in a position to have a much more rewarding and fulfilling life. As I noted in the first episode of this podcast, a large amount of money will not make one happy, but a lack of money can make one miserable and severely limits your ability to pursue the activities that provide happiness. Again, listen to episode one of this podcast and episode 50 of this podcast as well to learn where true happiness is derived. In the end, good financial behaviors, which really is financial planning, is much more than managing your money or helping you reduce your tax liability, although both of those are critical. Financial planning is also about accountability to the values and goals that are most important to achieving happiness. They all work together. As I like to explain to clients, your goals are the destinations of where you want to go. The financial plan is the vehicle to get you there, and the investments are the engine that drive the plan forward to the goals. I share this perspective because to me, financial planning at its highest and most noble form is to assist a person with their ability to pursue happiness. True financial planning will identify these goals as well as design and implement strategies to help you on your way to take the steps that really impact happiness. Increasing the time you feel fulfilled and engaged when you use your talents, improving one's relationships, and helping you pursue the things that provide meaning and helping you make accomplishments. Those should be the central focus of our financial behaviors and financial plans because that is where lasting happiness can be found. But that is only possible once one has modeled the behaviors to get there. Well, thank you again for listening. I hope you found this helpful. Now on to the tips, tricks, and strategies portion of the podcast. Welcome to the tips tricks and strategies portion of the podcast where I will share an unusual tip. This isn't so much as what you should do, but a demonstration of what happens if you don't. Sometimes examples of what you are not to do are more effective than examples of what you should do instead. Now, the first part of this episode focused on the behaviors you can follow. Here's what happens when those behaviors aren't followed. There was a recent article in the Wall Street Journal which featured several individuals that retired on almost nothing but Social Security, which is actually the case for one in seven Social Security recipients 65 and older. There was a gentleman named Eric who was a professional chef who planned to never stop working, but for health reasons, he had to retire. He was making good money at $2,000 a week at the height of his career, but now earns just $1,400 a month via Social Security. But he has embraced budgeting for the first time in retirement, and he does a good job and makes ends meet. But imagine what could have been if he had developed the behavior of budgeting decades prior. Another person featured was a lady named Joyce, who said she wished she'd spent more time learning about money when she was younger. She didn't know then how much boosting her earnings during her working years could have helped. A third person featured was a lady by the name of Barbara, who made really good money but spent much of the disposable income on international travel rather than saving for retirement. They attended the World's Fair in Japan, went to Australia and Mexico, and even spent long weekends in Paris. Only toward the end of her career did she begin putting money away into savings. Now, people know that I am a huge fan of traveling, 
but never at the expense of one's financial future. These are examples of what happens when you get to retirement and have employed the behaviors needed to become a member of the Two Comma Club. Not that becoming a millionaire should be the goal itself, but rather it's putting yourself in a financial position where you are able to pursue the activities that truly provide happiness, which have nothing directly to do with money, but money instead provides the conditions that will allow you to pursue them. Again, I hope you found this helpful. And remember, a better life is a result of better behaviors and better planning. Have a great one. Thank you for listening. And until next time, remember that no one builds wealth by accident. If you want to learn more about how to build wealth to retire early, head on over to my website at betterplanningbetterlife.com. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. There is no assurance that the techniques and strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. The purchase of certain securities may be required to affect some of the strategies. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Economic forecasts set forth may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee that strategies promoted will be successful. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Individual tax and legal matters should be discussed with your tax or legal professional. Johnny West is a registered representative with and securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC.